Find in your Bibles, if you would, Joshua chapter 5. We're going to be reading verse 13 and read on to a few verses in chapter 6. And I encourage you, listen, I'd love for you to have verses in front of you. If you don't have your Bible, some we have some few Bibles, but also find it on your phone, if you would. I'd love to have you to have the Word of God in front of you as we are looking at it today. But we appreciate you being here today. So glad to see you. We have some guests here today, some whom we have not seen in a while. Every, every service, or at least every week, we have... I mean, since May of last year, we've had people every time, somebody new, hadn't seen in a while, so we're glad to see you back. We have a connection card, particularly if you're a guest, we want to give you a special word of welcome. Uh, but there in the chair back in front of you is a connection card. We'd love to know you came today, and uh, if you'll fill that out, we ain't passed an offering plate in 13 months, but uh, uh, usually say put in the offering plate, but you can just leave it in your seat or put in the offering plate as you leave here today, uh, and you want to leave your email, address, phone number, whatever it is, We'd love to get information to you, a little bit more information about the church, let you know we're glad to hear you you were here today. And also, for the last couple of weeks, we've been passing out some wristbands. And maybe just to clarify, I mentioned if you hadn't got one, we want everybody to feel comfortable. And, and so this is a comfort level, green, yellow, red, kind of self-explanatory, green, you're good to go, red, you keep your distance yellow, you're somewhere in between. What did I say last week? We'll fist pump you, but we won't kiss you. And... Uh, but uh, the green or whatever it is, this is, this is not a, we're not making any kind of medical statement here or shots or anything like that. It's entirely your comfort level on that. Just had a couple of questions after last week. Want to make sure that you knew that. So you do whatever you feel comfortable with on that. We are in Joshua chapter 5. We're making our way through the book of Joshua. The Israelites are making their way into the promised land. We talked last week. They have crossed over the Jordan River and now they are coming, going to have many battles ahead. This is one of the first ones which they will face, uh, such as it is, the kind of battle. Many of you know the story, but we're going to continue to learn, be reminded, and maybe some new truths today that will help us as well. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, and we'll go through chapter 6 verse 7. This now is the Word of God. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel, None went out, none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the... People shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. People shall go up, everyone before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. Tear down this wall. 
Who said it? Do you remember? Now pay attention kids because this will be on your history test one day. But President Ronald Reagan said to be his four, four most famous words. He said it to Soviet Union leader Mikhail Gorbachev to, to destroy the Berlin Wall June 12, 1987 after Gorbachev had promised freedom in Eastern Europe and the wall would become a symbol of communist oppression. President Reagan went on to say in the same speech, I noticed words crudely spray-painted upon the wall, perhaps by a young Berliner. This wall will fall. Beliefs come reality. Yes, across Europe, this wall will fall, for it cannot withstand faith, for it cannot withstand truth, for it, the wall cannot withstand freedom. Uh, they don't do speeches like that anymore, do they? But, hey, the, in fact, these are biblical concepts that he's talking about. Faith and truth and freedom, but not faith just in anything, but faith in the right thing, and that is the truth. Truth as we find it in God's Word, and as we find it through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And freedom is promised to all those who follow Christ. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom to be able to serve. In this life, if we follow Christ, He will always bring victory to the obstacles and overcoming the obstacles that we face. Sometimes He does it in unexpected ways, but always for our good and always to bring Him glory. We read today one of the most unusual, perhaps, miracles in uh, the book of Joshua, and we want to discover how this, this story relates to our journey today. Someone said, the Christian life involves challenge and conflict whether we like it or not. It is our theme as we move through Joshua. It's called moving forward. It's about time, but it is about walking with Jesus and being able to move forward with Him. Noticed about the Israelites as they were ready to move forward and march at least around the city of Jericho, ready to follow God. Well, I think we might be surprised at the practical application for us and for the church today. We, we've talked about what it means to take a step of faith. We talked about stepping into the water, crossing the Jordan River, and what it means to be obedient so that we might be able to enjoy the blessings that God has for us. And as we continue to move forward, we are not promised that life will always be easy. In fact, as a follower of Christ, no indeed, we are said that there will be challenges ahead if we follow Christ, maybe even more so. Certainly would it have been easier uh, to have stayed on the east side of the Jordan River not to face those battles. They could have stayed nomadic people as well. But all oh, they would have missed out on all the blessings. They'd have missed out on the journey that the Lord has. So the Lord has blessings and journeys and adventures for us as we seek to follow Him to bring glory to His name and seek to be able to be influencers in this world. Following Christ will lead to greater challenges, but victory in Christ is assured. Jericho, first city to be conquered by the Israelites in the Promised Land. It was one of, if not the most important city to overtake. After all, they had to go through Jericho in order to get to the Judean hillside and the other places. Also, because of its size and because of its prominence, it would send a message to all other cities and all other king and kingdoms that were in the land of Canaan that Israelites were here and they were not to be ignored. And it's it uh, even serving God or serving the people as God's final warning to the pagan people who are living in that land that they were to turn to the one true God. We know that it was possible because of the story of Rahab. Well, Jericho was one of the oldest cities, not just in that part of the world, not just in the land of Palestine, but believed Jericho was believed to be one of the oldest cities and civilizations. Parts of it have been excavated, found to be about 9,000 years old. 
city of Jericho at the time of the conquest was surrounded by, believed to be two walls, about 15 feet apart. Thus the story of Rahab that lived within the walls, that would make sense. And, and they, I've heard different talk about that. Excavations could have been 12 to 15 feet high, 5 feet wide, the walls themselves. So they were certainly thick walls. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1 tells us that they were shut up. They were fortified. Uh, so because of their fear of the Israelites. And, and this is maybe one of the more familiar stories or battles that we have with Joshua and what's happening. And I always heard the story like this. And you tell me if this is the story that you hear. And there was uh, the uh, children of Israel were told to march around the city one time every day for six days. Ark of the Covenant would be carried. The priest would be blowing the ram's horns. But all the children of Israel as they marched around the great city of Jericho, they would be quiet for six days. Then on the seventh day, at dawn, they, uh, they got up and they walked around the city the, uh, for seven times on the seventh day. And then they waited for the long blast of the ram's horns, the children of Israel. And as they, they were to shout, and when they shout, the great walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Is that how you remember the story? It's okay, yeah, that is the story. We just read parts of it. That is the story, and that's how I hear it. But when I used to hear it, particularly as a kid, and maybe even before I'm talking to you now, I always thought of the words that seemed to come out with the great city of Jericho and the children of Israel. As if the children or God's people were kind of an undisciplined group that were to walk around the city and the great city of Jericho, as if this was the only way in which they were going to conquer the city. But that may not have been necessarily so. There's well over one million Israelites, maybe two million Israelites, 400,000 fighting men. Now it took 40 years for the, Lord to, uh, for the Lord to put this army together, but they were ready as they crossed over uh, the Jordan River and they came in. They were a force to be reckoned with and uh, they probably could have taken over the city any number of ways, scaled the walls, starved them out any, other, any, any number of ways, but this is the way in which God chose and the fact that this is the way in which God chose so that they had to at least put some trust in God that maybe the Israelites or the uh, generation before did not have. Who would have come up with such a plan, march around the city so many times and the walls come tumbling down? But you, but you know what the real miracle is? Now taking the walls of Jericho down for God and what we believe about God, do we believe that's really a big deal for God? Well, probably not. But read with me verse 10. Yeah, we read through verse 7 a moment ago, but verse 10 says, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day that I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. Now, the Old Testament Israelites are often compared to the New Testament church. A lot of miracles take place on this particular week that, took, that, we, read, that we were reading about. But maybe one of the bigger miracles was the fact that God's people kept their mouth shut for a whole week. The church kept their mouth That would be the bitter miracle today, would it not? I mean, for a week, they didn't complain. They didn't say, uh, well, we've never done it this way before. Now, God's people were learning to do in the 40 years in the wilderness what God, everything that God has said. Well, the motto probably of most militaries is never to surrender. The motto of God's army, God's church, is always surrender. Always submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When facing challenges along the way, do what God says. We try to rationalize sometimes that we know best and one thing this teaches us is that we're not to depend on our power but only the power and the wisdom of God. 
Remember the New Testament verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25 says, The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, I want you to think with me because we want to make it real practical today. Think with me just a moment. Is there a wall in your life that is keeping you or that could keep you from following holy Jesus Christ? Something that's keeping you from growing. Something that's keeping you from maturing in Christ. Maybe it's a sin or a temptation. Maybe it's an attitude that you have. Maybe, maybe even an illness. Or maybe there could be a person who perhaps is, uh, that you think is keeping you from growing. Maybe there's forgiveness that is lodged in your heart that you can't quite get over to Him or uh, that, that you need to think of. Because we want to talk about, there may be many walls, but I want you to think, and maybe you can even write, put down in your notes if you think about it, the biggest wall in your life right now that could be holding you back. And we're going to look at, at a pattern of taking down the walls that's keeping us from moving forward. Now, walls, anything, make sure we understand a wall is anything that could prevent you from growing, serving, loving, or living for Jesus. Now, look back, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Uh, commander of the Lord's army approached Joshua, drawn sword. Joshua asked him, Who are you for? Are you for us or for our enemy? Now, I read from the English Standard Version a minute ago. And the, are you for us or for our enemy? It's an R question, but the commander of the Lord's army answered, No. Most translations probably say, Neither. Doesn't that seem surprising to you? Wouldn't you think the commander of the Lord's army would say, well, Joshua, of course I'm on your side. But Joshua probably was really asking the wrong question. Now, never, never think that the Lord's not on your side. But what mattered where was Joshua's faith and the faith of the Israelites. Never doubt God, but put faith in His power and His strength. Now, I noticed in some translations where it says, Commander of the Lord's Army. Look and see if you've got, it's a capital C. In some translations, when the Lord address, when Joshua addresses the Lord, it's a capital L, which means the translators of that translation, and probably others, but they were at least letting us know that he thought the commander of the Lord's Army were translating that this is the divine presence of God. And I, and like so many others, I believe that this is the presence of the pre-incarnate Christ, commander of the Lord's army, captain of the heavenly host, the king of all creation. When Joshua recognizes this, this is the divine, what does he do? He falls down and he worships. Further evidence that this is the presence of the Lord. And what did the Lord say? Take off your sandals, because you're standing on holy ground. What does that remind you of? Moses at the burning bush. Well, so if you want to follow a biblical plan, taking down the walls in your life, well, you want to worship Jesus for real. You want to worship Jesus for real. We say we have faith, want to have faith, but we're missing something if we're not spending time in the Lord's presence. Now when I'm talking about worship, I'm not talking about the be sure that you've scheduled at least once or twice a month to show up at 9 or 10.30 on Sunday morning or be sure that you listen live stream. Now we need to do that. But I'm talking about worshiping Jesus for real. That is that we're spending genuine time, spending time with our Savior on a personal level, praising Him and surrendering ourselves to Him. Remember what, remember what Joshua asked? Are you for me or are you for the enemy? He said, neither. You see, it's not about if God's on your side. Don't doubt that. But it's not about if God's, are you on His? We're made to worship. 
We're made to bring pleasure to God. The psalmist said in Psalm 147 verse 11, the Lord is pleased only with those who worship Him and trust His love. Worship was never meant to divide a church. True, true genuine worship was meant to bring us and get together because of the commonality we have in who we worship. It's not about how you worship. By the way, Chase, I believe that our, I believe most people in the first service would have recognized most of those songs. I'm just saying, just happened to mention that, okay? But it's not about how you worship, but it's about who you worship. Worshiping God is where we begin to change from the inside out. When I say worship Jesus for real, generally worshiping the one who saved you, forgave your sins, the God who is rich in mercy and grace. So let's put first things first. You, you got walls in your life? Maybe you don't. I do. I know those things that might keep me from growing and following God. First thing that you need to do is to be sure that you're spending time with your Savior if you want to be able to see those walls coming down. Spend those times here on Sunday. Do you think it would help on Sundays, the first of the week, to take down and face the walls of going to face spent time in worship? I say it's necessary. And then also it's necessary is that personal time that you spend with Him every day as you face that wall. Now, I don't know if you noticed or not, but our, uh, we're gaining in attendance on Sunday mornings. Listen, two weeks ago was Easter Sunday, and on Easter Sunday, we've had more than we had had in uh, year, well over a year. It's the Sunday I wasn't here, but I appreciate you being here anyway. And we're continuing to gain more, and we hope we, that continues to happen, and we see more and more come back. We have more guests coming. All of those things kind of get... But it's not about how many. It's about seeing lives transformed because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We count people because people count, but genuine worship of the real Jesus is essential. First thing you must do is worship the Lord. Second is going to be, be attentive to God's Word. Be attentive to God's voice. We must listen to Him. When Joshua realized who it was, verse 14, he's, Joshua asked, what does my Lord say? The Lord told him in chapter 6 and verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Notice he called them. Notice he didn't call them, get all the children of Israel. Get them. No, he called them, you men of war, you armed men. Your worship here, your daily worship prepares your hearts and minds to be in tune to God and listen to Him. Next time you're reading the Bible, and I hope it's very soon, and you're I hope what, this may not be very soon, but you're reading sometimes and you're just not getting it. Maybe you just don't quite understand it, or like I have to, your mind just begins to wander. And you think, oh, I'm not sure I'm doing any good here. Stop. Take your moment. Sing a song of praise. Listen to a song of praise. Read, a, read one of the 150 Psalms, or just tell God how wonderful He is. And then pray this prayer or something like it from Psalm 119 and verse 18 that says, Behold, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of thy word. And see what a difference worship makes to listening. Because when you worship the real Jesus, first of all, sin's going to be revealed in your life. Anything that you need to confess, it's going to, you're going to know that you need to confess that, turn that over to Him. Then your heart's going to be turned toward Him in order that you might be able to hear God speak. If the Lord's going to do a great work in your life, in the life of this church, the Bible tells us over and over again that you must be attentive to what He is saying to you, particularly through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. Do you remember, you remember Jesus 
told the parable of the sower. Sower went out to sow seed, four kinds of seed. Some of it was hard, some of it was rocky, some of it had thorns. And some of it produced good soil. Do you remember why? Because they hear and understood. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23 says this, But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. We will not produce fruit if we're not attentive to God. Those who produce much fruit, what did, what did this parable say? They heard the word and they understood it. It's the pattern. Worship Jesus for real. Be attentive to God's voice. And also then live in obedience. Live in obedience. There's only one mark of true worship. Whether you have genuinely worshipped God, there's only one way to know. It's not how much you enjoyed the music. It's not whether you lifted your hands high. It's not whether you really, really liked the songs that were picked out or, or that uh, you liked the preaching or this kind of preaching. or this. But it's about being obedient to God's Word. In fact, that's the one mark of true worship is obedience. Uh, aren't you glad there's a wonderful spirit in this church? I mean, I hear it from people time and time again, whether you're here every Sunday or you happen to come back or you're a new guest. It's just a wonderful spirit at Parkway. We just love the wonderful spirit, whether it's and not just in this hour, but I mean among God's people. We believe we want to love one another, want to reach out to others and believe that that's true. I'm glad to hear that. hope that it continues. But the wonderful feeling that we have is not what is most essential because the truth is not how you feel, but what you do. Did you notice what happened when the Lord was through giving direction? He told the people to march. What's our theme? Move forward. He said, move forward. And they did. Once around for six days. Then verse 16, verse 15. If you still got your Bibles open, said, on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day, marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. Now, there's a lesson for us here on how it was done. First battle, they've prepared in the battle. They've already had a couple of battles. They're ready to come to Jericho. Maybe the mighty men of valor that had, you know, prepared, maybe they were ready to go to battle, but it wasn't quite ready. They're going to have a chance, but not this time. I mean, why all the walking around the city six days? Couldn't they have just done the seventh day? Or couldn't they have just done it one? Been 40 years. One more week. And then they're going to have their first battle and first victory. Why would they do it that way? Write this down somewhere or make a note of it. Actually, you can't write it down because it's going to be in your notes. But it's an axiom that is always true. God is concerned with what He's accomplishing in you as He is and what He's accomplishing through you. In other words, He wasn't just concerned with the walls coming down. That's going to take place. God can do that. Take the walls down anytime, anyway. But He's at the same time, He's teaching the Israelites. You've got to live in obedience. So they followed every detail of His instructions. I, I have no doubt if there's a wall in your life, an obstacle to you going forward in your walk, God wants to remove that obstacle. He can do it. But at the same time, He's working on you and me and our hearts and our lives so that we might reflect Christ even more. And if you're not obedient in the little stuff, that is the day in the day out things that, you know, well, do these things really matter? But if you're not obedient the little stuff, you're not going to be ready for something greater. Being disobedient and what you might consider insignificant will keep that wall from coming down. 
And for the people to proceed and do so without uttering a word shows the next part of the pattern of tearing down your walls. Learn to trust Him. Learn to trust Him. While obeying is a result of worship and listening to God, our failure to continue to be obedient is often a lack of trust. The Israelites were demonstrating that they trust God. Verse 20 of chapter 6. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. The wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. I will tell you, our ways and God's ways seldom match. There may be many ways to tackle a problem, and you've got things happening in your life, and we're thankful for ways in which we can reach out. In fact, I believe that the Lord gives us Christian counselors and family that can help us and friends and church family and many of these and, and the Lord is often in that and we need to be but the bigger question might be are you trusting in Him? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Because the best way you trust God is not necessarily that you think well I'm gonna, I feel like I trust God but it is by doing all the things that God wants you to do. I mean, God has... Uh, think about some of the things the Lord tells us to love our enemies, turn the other cheek, forgive people. Now those aren't always easy. They don't always feel right. We don't always want to do those things. So the question comes, are you going to trust that this is the right thing to do even if you don't feel like it? Are you going to do the right thing? Even when you don't feel like doing the right thing. You know, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Or I'm going to do what feels right. Well, it may feel right to you. But if you know God's Word tells says different, we're going to follow Him. God sets standard in many ways. sets standard in the family. People often will devise their own plans about one woman and one man for life. Or contrary to bringing up children in the way of the Lord and His church. We come up sometimes with a better plan than God does, we think. Well, who should you trust? You're going to trust the world's way, your way, or God's way. God has a plan for young people to stay sexually pure, and adults. But a commitment to be obedient in this matter is a matter of trusting in God's plan, though we may devise another plan. The world may tell us something different. But the Bible says, foolishness of God is wiser than men. So, whatever wall you're facing today, I can assure you, just like with Joshua, the presence of the Lord is in this place. You keep your shoes on, but the presence of the Lord is in this place. Not because we've got a steeple, but because we're God's people who have gathered together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So ask as Joshua asks, what does my Lord say to his servant? Here's the pattern, worship. The real Jesus, pay attention to his every word, live in obedience, learn to trust God. We'll give the victory of the walls come down when we give them over to Him. But we don't serve God for victory. We serve God from victory because we live on this side of the cross. Victory's already been won in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Down on the cross, three days later, rose again. So victory's already been assured. But like Joshua was told, I've already given the Jericho into your hands. It's already, it's already a done deal. Now, your circumstances may or may not change. 
But when we follow the biblical pattern, there's no doubt, even if your circumstances don't change, whatever it is, the obstacle to keeping you from growing and moving forward in Christ will. So what else is needed? Take down the wall from your life. I'm going I'm to borrow from verse 16 to where it says, Shout for the Lord has given you the city. And this is an important part. Shout the victory. Shout the victory. Claim the victory even before you see its completion. Now, just as we could not keep Baptist quiet for a week, boy, we'd have a hard time shouting. Were it not for ball games and business meetings, maybe, perhaps. But if we're going to see the walls that come down that would divide us or cause us to stumble, then we'll need to claim the victory and the promises of God and we'll need to let it be known to others. And live and charge ahead as if all Jesus said and did was really true. I was, uh, I was, I was asked to preach a sermon a few years ago in what I thought was an unusual place on a Sunday morning. Uh, I was asked to preach at uh, the infield of the Talladega International Speedway, in which is really Lincoln, Alabama, you understand. But, uh, and we kind of think that uh, some of you have been there perhaps, but you, we went in on Friday and then on Saturday we went and passed out information about the race on one side, a gospel presentation on the other, tried to get in conversations. We invited children who could come on Sunday, Saturday afternoon actually and make a pine car derby and have a race and, uh, and then worship service on Sunday morning. <clears throat> and uh, Now, Talladega International Speedway infield. And uh, I don't want to offend anybody here today, but uh, if, if, uh, if this is not the place that rednecks come from, they all find one another there. It is, it, it's just us. We're just talking here, okay? And I'm just giving you my impressions about now. I are one of you, okay? So it's all right. And, uh, and so there are things that you see on the infield at Talladega that you just can't unsee. I'm just, you know, it's a, <laughs> RVs and buses and tents. And it's a, so it's the tailgate, you know, for the weekend multiplied as to what we see, you know, on the, around the stadium here. And uh, uh, one thing that we were told... Uh, don't bother people during the race, okay? And, uh, and there's actually a truck race on Saturday, at least there was that day. And, and uh, so during the truck race, we just kind of take it easy. I'm, I'm sitting in the back of my pickup watching the truck. I feel like I'm kind of blending in, I'm really thinking, you know. And, uh, and suddenly a, th- a man, middle-aged man kind of appeared. Uh, I say because I didn't see him walk up. Suddenly he's leaning, you know, on the back of my truck like people do in the back of a pickup. And he leans over to me. And here's the first thing he said to me. Isn't this the most beautiful place on God's green earth? <laughs> I said, that's kind of nice here, yeah. And uh, we began to talk, and, and, uh, and I, I, I said, well, I said, you know, as nice as this is, I believe I know a place even better than this. Yeah? Where? And I said, and began to talk to him. And he was from Texas, um, Saved up his money, vacation time, come to Talladega twice a year. This is his thing. I mean, no other place, no other. Uh, he wanted to go to Talladega, and uh, and I began to. He said, "Well, said there's a place that is not made by human hands." Said, "Belace is prepared for all those who know and love Jesus." And in our conversation, would would you like to know how you can go go to that place and know you have Jesus in your heart? Somewhere during the conversation, we're not supposed to talk to people during. You know, I, went, I saw our team leader. said, excuse me just a moment. I went to the team leader and said, hey, this fellow just started talking. He said, okay. He said, oh, gave me the green light. And so we came back and 
talked to him and before the truck race was over, he had prayed to receive Jesus and become a follower of Christ. And I told him, I said, you know, this isn't the end of anything. It's just the beginning. The Lord's got a plan and a purpose for you and has got a, and wants you to do things for Him. And I said, let me encourage you. Read your Bible and pray every day. And when you get back to Texas, find you a Bible, believe in Jesus, love in church. And, and I said, and you need to tell somebody, tell people what happened. And I remember it's just as he was leaving, he said, oh, I can't wait to tell my wife. I got to tell you, if I'd have picked somebody out that was least likely to come to know Jesus, it would have probably been this guy. But walls came down. I saw it. You'll see it too. You'll see walls come down. Jesus do great things. Sunday morning, time for the service. And I'm thinking, praying, you know, what do you, what do you preach on the infield at Talladega? And uh, you know what I preached? Joshua 6. Because I kept going around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I talked to him about the same thing that we talked about. I said, you know, there's uh, about tearing down the walls to anybody following Jesus. And, and I said, uh, and I, I told him, said, you know, there's nothing preventing you from knowing and following Jesus. Now, this was not the typical Sunday morning in the church crowd, but we invited many people to come. And as we sang, people came. And, and I think for some, maybe they just thought it was part of the what's next. And they just, you know, they... Uh, these weren't the drivers of course these were just people that were camped out in the infield and, and so probably not to profile any but folks that we probably wouldn't see in our church on Sunday morning I had the flags of NASCAR with me and so I, I'd held, hold up a flag I held up the green flag green flag means go I said John 10.10 10 says Jesus said I've come that you might have life might have it more abundantly John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, Christ wants you to go with Him and follow Him in this life and so that you might follow Him in the next. I held up the yellow flag, which is the caution flag or hazard flag. Stay behind the pace card and do not pass. I said, there's a caution here because Jesus said that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I held up the black flag which is a driver's broken the rules, something's wrong with the car, driver must stop. I told him Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Or excuse me, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's Romans 3.23. And I said, Keep, sin keeps us from going forward and following God's purpose and plan. I held up the red flag, which means everything must stop. And I said, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 10, 9 says that thou will confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And red is also for the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ died for us on the cross and rose again. And everything depends on Jesus. Held up the white flag. White flag means one more lap. Said Jesus has done everything necessary, but one thing that you must do, you must receive the free gift of salvation by asking Christ to forgive you of your sins and asking Jesus to come in. White also stands for forgiveness. Isaiah says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Then I held up the checkered flag, which is the finish line, victory for the one who crosses first. And I said, You know, Jesus died for you on the cross as if you were the only one to cross the line. Romans 10.13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I said, If you'd like to know Christ as your Lord and Savior and want Jesus in your heart, I said, would you, would you pray this prayer with me? And I gave him a sample prayer. 
Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Some had, we had some chairs. Some brought their own chairs. A lot of them were standing. Maybe half of the folks were standing that had come. And, and I said, if you prayed this prayer and you've asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, I said, would you just lift your hand? One over here, and one over there, and a couple over there. Walls came down. We got to shout the victory. We've got to tell others the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can be a part of seeing walls come down in our own life to be able to move forward. Walls come down in other people's life who need Jesus. Joshua, the story of Joshua, the person Joshua points to Jesus who has already been given Jericho. Victory into your hand has already been given if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus. Don't you want to see what the creator of the universe, the commander of the Lord's army can do? Turn that wall, that obstacle over to Jesus. Claim the victory as if it has already occurred. Now the circumstances in your life, chances are when you leave, they'll be exact the same it was the hour before when you came in. But what God is doing and the walls that can come down can change this moment. I mean, as we turn everything over to Him today, right now, you can know that, that anything that would prevent you from following Jesus, anything that would prevent you from growing right now can come down. We're going to pray that prayer in just a moment. We're going to pray the victorious prayer. Lord, take it down. We're also going to pray if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe somebody listening live stream. If you don't know Christ, you saw the sample prayer. It doesn't have to be that exact prayer, but it's asking Christ to forgive you of your sins, asking Christ to come in, putting your faith in Him. We're going to give you that opportunity. Let's do that now. Heavenly Fathers, we come to you at this time. Father, we want to do business with the Lord. Thank you that you are our Lord and Savior. And we thank you for what Jesus Christ has done. And so we ask you right now, we ask you, Father, for the whatever walls in your life, whether we've identified them or not, that right now, that you can bring those walls down so that there's nothing preventing us from growing, living, loving, moving forward as we should. We pray also, Father, if there's, if there's one here that does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, somebody, maybe several who are listening, just as we've had that sample prayer before, maybe pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I believe you died for my sins. Would you come in now? Forgive me of all my sins. Would you be my Savior and Lord? Thank you for loving me. Help me to live for you. It's in Christ's name that I lift this prayer. Father, we pray that you'll continue to be at work during these last few minutes of this worship service as we sing together. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.